Welcome to Roundhouse Roulette, a Walker, Texas Ranger podcast. Each week we recap and review one of the 200 existing Walker, Texas Ranger episodes randomly selected by Roundhouse Roulette. I'm Evan Dalton, here with my brother Adam and our fellow Ranger teen camper, Mr. Bob Leahy. What's new, guys? <laughs> oh, man, I think I've still got a, a rash from the waterfront, man. Yeah, there's some in the water, man. Yeah, yeah. You shouldn't drink that water either. I think I have uh, beaver fever. There might be some intestinal <laughs> parasites going around the campgrounds. We don't know. Most most definitely. It could also just be CD's chili. So. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely uh, with some shade thrown on this camping trip to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> Well, we'd like to thank you all for joining us as we revisit Chuck Norris's 1990s Treatise on Morality. Today, we'll be recapping and reviewing Season 5, Episode 15, Last Hope, where the Rangers and a group of at-risk youths find themselves at risk. (laughs) But before we wax poetic about summer camp memories, join us as we pull up a stool at CD's Bar and Grill. Hey guys, what's going on? Just uh, living the dream, man. <laughs> it's your dream. You live it. It's like a choose-your-own-adventure. Fortunately, there's one thing that's been chosen for us. Well, uh, I'm thirsty. Well, you are in luck, because this week, CD has chosen to serve us up a Brown Owl Extra Special Bitter from Northwood's Brewing Company in Northwood, New Hampshire. Live free or die. Mm-hmm. As always. <laughs> I mean, this beer looks like it has its own origin story. Do you want to read it to us, Evan? Uh, yes. So according to the bar and grill menu here, this beer diverges from a traditional extra special bitter with the use of an isolated <laughs> Kvik yeast strain that provides a unique maple character and is single hopped with an Australian hop varietal. Reminiscent of a fine cup of dark cherry tea, sweetened with caramel and served with a slice of toasted brown bread. Named after a fly that was first tied in Errol, New Hampshire, Brown Owl is a unique experiment in merging the old with the new. I'll say. Holy moly. (laughs) You mean owl say? (laughs) You guys ready to uh, bring something borrowed and something blue to this old and new? Uh, yes let's do this man it's a good thing that I didn't already eat (laughs) it sounds like this is going to be a four course meal I like how they act as if we all drink dark cherry tea like we know what that tastes like yeah again with the yeast strains I mean (laughs) that's really big right now it's so hot right now (laughs) (laughs) that's a nice caramelly color yeah, that's a good a mellow brown for sure. Pretty good pour by me over here. Just want to point Ooh. that out. Six skills. Also, mm. it looked like it was making the owl barf when I poured the can out. So it's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, there's a pretty dope great horned owl on the label here. It's pretty nice. So brown owl is the name of the fly? As in, like, fly fishing. Oh, and there so is one on the label here. Yeah, it's part of their logo. The brown owl fly recipe includes ingredients such as gold tinsel, grizzly hackle and mallard flank feathers and this is the recipe for a fly for fly fishing right yeah they call it a recipe (laughs) yeah how much does a brown owl feather go for on ebay evan (laughs) uh all north american owls are protected at least as of now 
by the North American uh, uh, Owl Federation. <laughs> no, 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 no. They're they're protected by the Migratory Bird Treaty Act of 1918. Uh, so it's illegal to not only uh, hunt them and kill them, but also to possess any part of them, including their feathers. Yeah, but if you just found one on the trail, you could take it, right? Uh, unless it's a game bird feather, no. But you have, right? Uh, if I'm operating <laughs> under permits from the state, yes. But where do I where do I get an owl feather permit? <laughs> Got to talk to the state. Wow, <laughs> that'd be a good conversation. I just walk in. I want to pick up a feather that I found in my yard. But someone told me I need to talk to you first. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a lot of um, talk back and forth. And, you know, wh- what game warden is going to be able to, you know, not very many of them are probably going to be able to identify whether the feather you have is from, say, a turkey versus a owl, something like that. So, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, technically speaking, you're not really supposed to have them. But mostly because the Migratory Bird Treaty Act came out of people hunting birds for their feathers to put on hats and stuff like that. Didn't you point out in the video of Floyd Red Crow Westerman at the Rainbow Warriors Festival that he had some illegal bird feathers? Yeah, uh, eagle feathers are protected. Um, They're sort of doubly protected, but a handful of Native American tribes actually have some level of exemption from that, particularly golden eagle feathers. Mm Mm-hmm. Those are typically what they use for some of those really large ceremonial headdresses. They're like golden eagle's wings are huge, so the feathers are really big. Did you choose this beer so that we'd have to talk about birds or what? Hell yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's good. So on a scale of one to extra special, how does it rank? I'm digging this. It's smooth. It's got a little bit of bite at the back end of it, but not a lot. It's kind of like what you'd want your brown to be. It's scratching me right where I itch. It's a perfect November beer. It's a toasty beer. It's good. Bottoms up. Well, you know, since I don't get enough television... You only get to watch one episode of Walker a week. It's hard. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Uh, You know, sometimes I just uh, need a little more than just an episode of Walker to get me through things. And so I was perusing (laughs) something that some folks who listen to this podcast maybe familiar with which is riff tracks which is basically the guys from uh mystery science theater 3000 the premise Mm -hmm. of which is basically three guys watch a movie and comment over it that might sound familiar it's way better than our podcast (laughs) (laughs) anywho they uh teed up a real gem a (laughs) mid-80s film called spiker uh, which is about like these two California bros who get recruited to the uh, U.S. volleyball team and they're trying out for the Olympics. Uh, horrible film, funny commentary, uh, but I couldn't help but notice that the, uh, I guess you'd say that the A-list billing of this is Michael Parks, who uh, played Walker's nemesis, Caleb Hooks, in No Way Out. He's a recurring villain. So he was the coach in this? Yeah, he was definitely the best actor in it. Although they didn't really go into his backstory. And there's a pretty epic scene where he's just basically spiking volleyballs at a guy for like 10 minutes. It's awesome. The artwork for this movie poster is amazing. It's got like a volleyball that's the American flag. That's by far the best part of the film, the cover for it. Do they have that actual ball in the movie? No, I think that might be based off the logo for the U.S. volleyball team. I mean, the funny thing is that the film, it was from like 1985, I think, 
But at the time, the only Olympic volleyball discipline was just like your straight up volleyball inside. But these two guys who are recruited, they're beach volleyball players. Mm-hmm. And beach volleyball is now an Olympic sport. Beaching. Anywho, once you start watching episodes of Walker, you start recognizing the actors all over the uh, seedy underbelly of cinema history. Looks like this got a pretty good ranking on uh, IMDb, huh? Yeah, it's got a it's got a two point seven on IMDb. <laughs> so, are you saying this is worth the watch, Evan? No. Are you, are you putting no. your stamp of approval? How long is it? That's that's what I always check. An hour and forty four minutes. Not oh, a chance. Yeah. That's under. Yeah, if it's under the, an hour uh, and a half, the I'm Rift maybe. Tracks version obviously is edited for time and far more entertaining watch. Oh yeah, I'll definitely watch that. <laughs> Those guys did a live show in Boston a couple years ago. I saw it. was good. Nice. A few Halloweens ago, we went to go see uh, Mystery Science Theater live, and they had the robots. That might have been what I saw. That was it. It was awesome. They did this movie with a killer brain who was, like, (laughs) killing people in their town, and then this angsty teen had to fight, like, this giant killer brain at the end. And then they do, like, the intermissions, like, on the show, but live on stage. One of the best Halloweens. But uh, that movie was insane. Yeah. Well, yeah, if you guys are curious about the long and storied career of Michael Parks, uh, which includes a bunch of Tarantino films and other things, um, one of his, uh, I guess, earlier film endeavors is Spiker. Unbelievable. I couldn't Um, believe it, really. (laughs) It's like, oh, man, it's that dude. Speaking of actors who have been on other Walker, Texas Ranger episodes... I was kicking around Instagram and tagging the actor who plays Sonny in The Covenant when I was posting up the Walkerstration for that episode. And I was going through his Instagram late at night by myself in the dark. Creeper. (laughs) (laughs) And I came upon this picture that just I was like, what? The actor who played Sonny, Demetrius Navarro, is hanging out with Terry Kaiser on the golf course. And Terry Kaiser, of course, plays the character Charlie in the episode The Iceman, and also the villain who just happens to look exactly like him and is not related at all in the episode. So we've got two Walker guest stars hanging out on the golf course. Yeah, it's a really odd couple, too, because Terry Kaiser's probably, like, what, 20 years older, 30 years older than Demetrius Navarro. Do you think that they were talking about their time on set on Walker? I don't know. Like, do they have any other credits in common? I, I You know, I didn't go down that rabbit hole, but now I'm going to for sure. <laughs> Please I'm do. Kind of Actually, we're going to do didn't. it. I'm curious, but I don't want to do it. <laughs> yeah. I want you to do it later. So looking at their IMDb pages, it looks like the only correlation is that they were both on Walker, Texas Ranger, and not at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just glad that they got to meet up on the green and hang out together and take that selfie for me to uh, creep on his Instagram and find and share with you all. That's what it's there for, man. Mm-hmm. That's what Instagram's mm-hmm. for. Bob, do you want to uh, pick up this next news item we got here? It appears that there are some really strange names for cannabis strains out there. <laughs> um, and I've been known to partake. I've heard of some of these, but I've not heard of. Chuck Norris. <laughs> or peanut butter breath. But that's neither here nor there. We're here to talk about Chuck Norris. Yeah, so apparently there's a strain of weed named after Chuck Norris, and they have a description of it in the article. Yeah, let me see. I was going to go to my own little site, Leafly. 
is it rated? Do they have like a? They do. You, should I go there? Let me go. Leafly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Here it is. There's a Chuck OG. I'm assuming that's probably what it is. They're calling this one Chuck Norris Black and Blue Dream. <laughs> Name for the legendary actor and martial artist Chuck Norris. The heritage of this strain has been kept under wraps by its very secretive breeder. It's probably Chuck Norris himself. Whatever is his PR it team <laughs> seems to be working though. Users say it's as strong as Chuck Norris's roundhouse kick. <laughs> you better be careful with that. So what do they say on the uh, RateMyWeed.com, Bob? Well, first of all, they show me where it's available. I can get it in Somerville, which is only 19 miles away. So uh, I'll probably head on there tomorrow. <laughs> That's uh, closer than, what is it, Hop Norris, for sure. Yeah, so this one is Chuck OG, also known as Mutant Chuck. <laughs> This one says, uh, a balanced hybrid, Chuck OG, offers piney, gassy, that's weird, and sour (laughs) flavors common to those with OG lineage. It produces dense, crystal-coated buds that offer effects that are giggly and appetite-enhancing, making it perfect choice for relaxing evenings in. Doesn't Um, really sound like Chuck Norris to me. um, It sounds like every description I've heard of weed. Right, yeah. (laughs) It's just... uh, (laughs) Just really just... Yeah, Particularly dude. the gassy part. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't yeah. quite get that, but hey. You know. Wow. Well, yeah, there's some other good ones on here. The Bob Saget OG. The Barack Obaba. It's not really that good <laughs> yeah. for a name. They uh, could have done better. Yeah, I mean, that's really it. But, I mean, honestly, Chuck Norris Black and Blue Dream. Yeah. I mean, that sounds enticing. It does. It does. It actually sounds like, you know, if you're going to try to sell a strain of weed... That sounds like something that you would want your enemies to smoke so that they like just wake up with black and blue eyes. Yeah, that's fair. Or it's like you get really high. The high is really good. But when you wake up, Chuck Norris is there to tell you not to do drugs ever again. <laughs> and then he punches Probably you and punches you in the face. Yeah. <laughs> cool. It was kind of a slow news week, but that came up and I was like, oh, we got to dig into that for sure. Someone's sneaking yeah. some Chuck Norris in my building. Oh, is he creeping around? <laughs> he's, he's, I've just he's, been catching whiffs lately, and I'm like, I know it's not me. <laughs> it smells good, whatever it is. Hmm. Uh, we've got one more news feature, which <laughs> kind of blew my mind. Quarantine is making people do some really terrible things. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, I stumbled across it this week. That Clarence Gilliard reprises his role as Theo from Die Hard in a uh, advertisement for Die Hard car batteries with Bruce Willis. Clarence Gilliard, man, he's getting out there. Why not? It's wild. I'd say that's like Super Bowl caliber. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was like movie quality for sure. Uh, this Die Hard, um, not Die Hard the movie, but Die Hard the battery commercial. <laughs> Available at Advanced Auto Parts. Is available for everyone to watch on YouTube, so we would suggest people watch it there. Yeah, and, and Clarence Gilliard, he's got some uh, serious action in there. It's explosive. Yeah. So good for him to get out there. It's good to see him, even though uh, they're shilling car batteries. It was good to see Clarence Gilliard. I expect mm-hmm. a, a number of YouTube personalities to actually test whether a diehard battery will actually work after being shot. Do you think that that commercial is canon for the Die Hard series? I think so. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, it's got a bunch of the old characters, and I don't think any of the characters they featured died. Like Clarence Gilliard's character, he was hit by a car, but not. I don't think he was killed, right? 
Mm, he's got a, a bad habit of doing that even in Walker. So yeah, he gets hit by a car a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, it was great to see him uh, in that though. So uh, hopefully he's got some other stuff going on. Well, I think it's about time we all pile into the old Ford van and head on down to camp by the lake. If you're watching along at home and don't want any spoilers, hit pause and watch Season 5, Episode 15, Last Hope, and come back to us. Welcome back. Let's dig in, boys. This episode originally aired on January 18, 1997, and it opens mid-domestic abuse. Yeah, it was pretty grisly. Yeah, pretty awful. It was like an apartment, and it come it goes into the apartment, and like there's a crazy dad who's just insane looking. He, he could only be in a Walker Texas Ranger episode. How <laughs> unraveled this guy was, or a PSA about domestic abuse. It, exactly, uh, that's pretty much what this was. Except it was way more grisly than they could show in a PSA. So he's pretty much hitting his wife. And uh, you're just like, oh, this is terrible. This is terrible. And a young boy rounds the corner with a gun. We're mm. assuming it's his son. And he says, stop. She was trying to flush his drugs down the toilet. Yeah, these are pretty hard drugs, too. We're not talking Walker weed. We're not talking about Chuck Norris OG. I think it was like all-purpose flour. We're talking confectioner sugar and bags We're talking here. King Arthur. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it opens it opens up with her like just dumping all purpose flour into the toilet. So and then he got pissed and starts hitting her and their son pulls a gun on the dad. Yeah. He's like, You're too scared to pull the trigger and then he takes the gun out of the kid's hands and slaps the kid too. Um yeah, it's pretty brutal and uh not fun to watch and makes you wonder when Walker's gonna bust in and kick some ass, but that doesn't happen. Instead we make a dramatic shift. <laughs> to Walker and Alex walking through the halls of a high school. And they're being escorted around by one of the teachers there. And apparently they start talking about some ranger teen camp that we've oh, yeah. never heard about before. And the first thing I thought of was like, don't they already have a camp justice? Different camp. Yeah, that's for prisoners. Okay. This is for pre-prisoners. <laughs> yeah, this one's for at-risk youth. And the teacher's all like... You know, they're not there yet, but uh, if we don't do anything now, they will be. Yeah, mm-hmm. this, this Ranger like, King camp better work. Uh, there's some pretty deterministic views there about people's fates. And I don't know, most of these, and we'll talk about them, but most of these kids seem like perfectly happy, normal, normal kids. Normal kids, they don't yeah. Really, <laughs> don't really seem yeah, like they're, seem they're on their way to prison or anything. Well, they start listing off a few of the students, and they were expecting, I think, around like seven kids or something. And they're like, mm. oh, well, we've only got six. I'm sorry, Walker. And Walker's like, well, what happened? And the teacher's like, oh, well, one of the students got pregnant, and she's not going to be able to go on the trip. She was 13 years old. <laughs> so awful. She got knocked out. Terrible. (laughs) Right? At this point, the uh, kid we saw in the first scene walks past them, and he's got a giant black eye, and he's getting made fun of for it. And his books all get pushed out of his arms, and so he's picking up all his papers, and they're like, what happened to him? And the principal's like, well, that's little Eddie Del Toro. Uh, (laughs) His mother has an abusive boyfriend who gets really rough. But he's never willing to say anything, so we can't do anything about it. Mm. It's like the mother wait, won't press charges, like, right? It's like, wait, you know about this? Yeah, 
Everybody does. <laughs> She's like, every time he comes in with something wrong, he just has a new story. It's like, you know what the story is. Yeah. <laughs> Do something about it. Pretty terrible. Uh, so Walker helps him pick up his books, and he's like, I think we just found our seventh kid again. Yeah. So they brought it back up to the Magnificent Seven. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Roll credits. <laughs> After the credits come back, it opens on an apparent drug deal going down, which is, of course, going down at a junkyard because <laughs> that's just what happens. And I was kind of like not expecting this scene to happen because I was already set to just have like a moralistic episode. Oh, yeah, sure. But I was really glad that this plot line entered the fold. I guess. I mean... <sighs> I was sort of paying attention, but I was looking at the credits, too, because for those of you who don't know, I keep track of how long the credits roll in every episode. Um, So I was watching the credits, and I will say that I stopped paying attention to the scene when I realized that Terry Kaiser's in this episode. Mm, Yep, yep. And then three credits later, I noticed that one of the other actors, or in this case actresses, in the episode is Mila Kunis. Yeah, pretty classic. She plays one of the Magnificent Seven kids who um, they're going to recruit to take to Ranger Teen Camp to turn their lives around. Yeah, and she's a real troublemaker, too, by the way. (laughs) Right. At that point, I was like, man, they're bringing back Charlie, and Mila Kunis is going to be in this episode. It's going to be awesome. And I stopped paying attention to what was going on in the background, which was actually pretty awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, it's it's like this drug deal going down, and it almost comes to blows, but then, you know, briefcases are exchanged. There's, like, one meathead guy who uh, is, like, your typical Walker villain, and then there's, like, another villain who comes to do the exchange, and he has, like, an ascot, like, neckerchief. (laughs) Yeah, he's in a limo. (laughs) Yeah, he's, like, more of, like, your upper crust bad guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, they trade suitcases, and the upper crust guy's like, "Don't you want to count it?" And the more blue collar bad guy was like, "I trust you. We're good." They exchange briefcases, and of course, they're like the metallic, um, bulletproof, exchanging money bad guy case that's in like every movie, right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> Um, but no, they they almost shoot each other because the guy with the ascot was late or something like that. Mm. And so one of the main bad guys, henchmen, was like, you rich people, blah, blah, blah. And so they like, pull guns on each other. And then the voice of reason steps and he's like, hey, this isn't personal. It's just an exchange. So then they exchange the cases. Yeah. And that's when the guy goes, oh, do you want to count it? He's like, no, man, I trust you. It's all good, man. We're good. You know, as soon as that guy said that, I knew something was going on here. I'm like, this is a Walker episode. Come on. So the rich guy, the rich stuffy bad guy takes his his briefcase and he goes into his limousine and they start pulling off. And they have like an interior shot of the limousine and he opens the briefcase and I'm like, okay, when is this thing going to explode? Come on, guys. (laughs) I was expecting it to blow up just then. But no, he opens it up and there's like a layer of white powdered drugs on the inside of it in those bags. The same drugs that the abusive father was likely using earlier in the episode. I guess that was the through line. Not that it's tied at all in this episode. But (laughs) so he lifts up and he looks at the bags and he he talks to the driver. He says something really weird, doesn't he? He's like, easy money, eh? And the driver's like, yeah, whatever. (laughs) 
and you're like, yeah. okay. <laughs> and all of a sudden, he hears like this beeping sound. He's like, oh, what's that? Mm. And mm. he lifts up another bag of powdered sugar, and underneath it is a ticking time bomb that he has just enough time to scream. <laughs> the time bomb doesn't have a time displayed on it. It just says thief across it. <laughs> Like, what does that mean? We we never learn. Uh, spoiler alert. We don't learn any details about these people whatsoever. That includes, and we work pretty hard for this show, that includes the names of these people. They are literally drug dealer number one, drug dealer number two. That's literally their names. That's yep. their credits. So, yeah. There's some sort of drug war going on. It's personal. Yeah. So he <laughs> he realizes it's a bomb. It flashes thief across the display, and what happens, Bob? Probably one of the more cheesy explosions I've seen lately, that's for sure. (laughs) Most definitely. It's like an interior (laughs) shot of the limousine. The guy's screaming. The flames that erupt in front of him are, like, superimposed as if it's, like, not like a fireplace, but, like, if he's in hell. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And him screaming goes on way after the fake flames, (laughs) fake engulfing. (laughs) And then there's an exterior shot of the limousine, and it blows up massively. Yeah, they leave nothing behind. That was nice. (laughs) I was like, man, I knew it was going to happen, and I'm glad it did. Yeah, at which point it zooms in on drug dealer number one, and he's like, now that was personal. So clearly they had some beef. Yeah. We never learned it, but yeah. they had some beef. Yeah, that's a beef we'll just leave off the table. For sure. Um, <laughs> cut to some classic Charlie Brooks hijinks, and we cut to the sentencing hearing of Charlie Brooks for his crimes, which I don't think we ever actually learned what his crimes were. Yeah, so no. refresh uh, listeners who Charlie Brooks is. Yeah, Charlie Brooks is a recurring character Probably all in season five would be my guess. He's played by Terry Kaiser, who plays uh, Bernie on Weekend at Bernie's, most Mm. famously. Yeah. And in this, he's spastic, but I guess well-acted. Yeah. Uh, I I thought that he was used better in this episode than he was in the episode The Iceman. (laughs) I guess. Yeah, they asked a little too much of him in The Iceman, I think. (laughs) Yeah. Playing two different characters, so. Yeah. Yeah, in this one, he's surprised by his sentence and asks the judge if she's crazy, at which point she doubles his sentence to a 1,000 community service hours. And they say, oh, you got to be serving with Ranger Walker. And he's like, Walker? And Walker's waiting in the back of the room. He doesn't have anything else to do but wait in the back of the room to pick up Charlie after a sentence here. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and he, like, waves his finger at Charlie or something. It's like some weird interaction like chuck norris doesn't say anything yeah it's just a smile and a nod it's weird i think it's like supposed to be the comic relief charlie's supposed to be that in this episode as well for sure we've already seen like a brutal uh beating of a mother by a husband we've seen an explosion and now let's bring in the comic relief it's getting too heavy let's bring in bernie yeah he's not dead weight in this one for sure he's uh released into walker's custody and Walker immediately puts him to work as a chaperone for <laughs> for, for a youth trip into the woods. Well, like he mustn't Ranger have been camp. he mustn't have been a violent criminal. Like I don't know I don't know what his crimes were, but uh, come on now. Mm, he accidentally exposed himself at Gold's gym. <laughs> right, right. 
<laughs> he accidentally ended up in the ball pit at Burger King naked. <laughs> yeah. Weird night. Guys, you know what happens to the best of us. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. Usually after uh, imbibing in some uh, Chuck Norris branded weed. <laughs> That's the uh, Chuck Norris ball pit strain. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe some silk. <laughs> <laughs> maybe a speedball. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Oh, man. No, speedball would cause you to crash your bike into the ball pit. Yeah. We don't know why he's there, but he's going to help out on this trip. Oh, for sure. So they're outside the high school, basically loading up kids into a van. <laughs> and uh, Alex is doing the roll call. And this is where, you know, we're introduced to all the kids. We meet Pepper, who's played by Mila Kunis. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert. She plays virtually no role in this episode whatsoever. <laughs> yep. Pretty much. We meet Clifton. He's my favorite, definitely for sure. Yeah. And we meet Peanut, who <laughs> prefers to be called Peanut. Uh, and we meet a couple other kids. I can't remember their names. And then we meet Joey. Did this not remind you guys of Ernest Goes to Camp when he goes to the delinquent high school and picks up the kids and does exactly this, like a roll call? This is how they introduce the characters exactly the same way. Exeronious. <laughs> the recipe for eggs erroneous is quite secret modeling glue modeling yeah, clay yeah. <laughs> pigeons <laughs> yeah so I, it reminded me of Ernest goes to camp and they were going to camp but Alex was doing the roll call and they finally call Joey he's yeah, the worst he's like I guess the main troublemaker who's probably the most bad kid and he's like why do you even have to go on this thing and Charlie's there watching this kid, and I'm kind of seeing like Charlie kind of has the same feeling about this trip. Joey's the worst. He's a terrible teenager. Mm-hmm. He, yeah, he's like, I don't really want to be here. And then they're like, Well, you know how it is. It's either this or juvenile hall. <laughs> it's like, yeah. these are your two options. How about high school? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that kid, he, he at first I was like, Is that the kid from uh, Home Improvement? He at least had the home improvement hair. A little right? bit, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, the oldest that brother. That's, that's who I thought, yeah. Yeah. This guy, um, I looked him up. He does singing for Honest Trailers, and he wrote some of the Honest Trailers. Oh, that's cool. But he had an amazing, is it a bowl cut? It's like the JTT. Yeah, it's a JTT. Or no, it's the JTT's older brother. Right. But at one point, they all had the same haircut, and it yeah. was kind of what this was. Yeah. We call it the JTT. But it's like It's like a... It's like a home it's improvement like a hair. Mullet, but longer in the front with the parted in the middle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's yeah, not it's quite a mullet because it's too long in front, but it's not long enough to. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the white it's boy perm or something. Pretty close to what I got right <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Joey, he's got the home improvement hair. He's got kind of baggy jeans. They're not Jinkos. I think they might be like the precursor to Jinkos, but he does have a wallet chain. So we know he's bad. Solid. Yeah. So these kids are all loaded up into the uh, blue Ford van, which I have to admit gave me some pretty conflicting feelings. There are some scenes when they're embarking on this road trip and they're like playing really happy music, but you see this blue van just come like cruising over the hilltop. (laughs) And my walker sense goes off. I'm like, okay, 
Candy Van. First candy off, van. Candy it's not van. A, it's not a gray Ram, <laughs> so it's got to be a bad guy's car. Yeah. Two, like these camera angles are the same camera angles they use to shoot like a car that's coming up behind Walker or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it looked really threatening, but they're playing happy music and it's full of Walker, Alex, and a bunch of kids. Mm. So <laughs> it's just really weird. Also, it's a Ford, and they normally blow those up, so I don't <laughs> right. know. They normally blow up non-Dodges. <laughs> yeah. So Charlie has some weird like thing where he's like, everyone's not really excited to go to the camp because they're being forced to go there, but Charlie is telling the kids that they got to watch out for like rattlesnakes. This girl's like, are there bears? He's like, no, all the rattlesnakes scared him away, and they're like... <laughs> The kids are like, who is this weird dude? <laughs> He's like Why my is grandfather. That the guy from Weekend at Bernie's? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So they have no idea what's going on. He's like, I was joking. Rattlesnakes in Texas? It's like, yeah, there are lots of rattlesnakes in Texas. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, actually. Yeah. That's real. <laughs> Don't they have like grizzly bears in Texas and all this stuff? Well, we've learned from Walker that they do, but they don't yeah. really. But yeah, I believe rattlesnakes are probably the number one wildlife cause of mortality in Texas. Diamondback rattlesnakes. Yeah, they'll get you. For sure. We do see Walker look into the eyes of a rattlesnake in an episode. I can't wait to get to that one. That one also features a young guest star who plays more prominently. We'll get there. Mm-hmm. I, I can't wait for that. Anyway, he pretty much tells the kids, oh, yeah, I'm just joking. Uh, uh, uh. So crazy weekend at Bernie's is messing around with these kids. And he's the one that goes, hey, Walker, we're all hungry. There's a diner up there. Why don't you stop? And Walker's like, oh, no, we're not stopping. CD's cooking up a batch of his famous chili for you all at Ranger Teen Camp, and he'll be waiting for you. And all the kids are like, who's this CD guy? I don't want his stinky food. Let's go over here, you know? (laughs) It seems like that's the way it's going to go, but then we transition over to the camp where CD and Trevette are getting things ready. And uh, boy, are they ever. I think a word needs to be said about the transitions in this episode. Oh, my God. They are special. <laughs> like the digital squares. That yeah, just the like... pixelated ones were my favorite. It was like a yeah. screensaver. It definitely looked like a bunch of screensaver effects. <laughs> Did you gif any of those, Evan, by chance? Uh, not <laughs> yet. <laughs> it was kind of shocking to see because whenever you're editing film and stuff, you almost can't beat a straight cut to the next scene. Transitions are almost never necessary. Like maybe a film dissolve. Or to black and then to the next scene or something like that. What happened here, it seems like in this era of Walker, is the digital effects came in and they're like, well, we can do it, so we're going to. They probably got a media composer. They got an avid and they're like, what can we do? Like I remember in high school, we had like a film class and we had a, like a digital editor where you could do this stuff. And it took hours just to do those terrible transitions. You know what I mean? So they're probably like, well, it took an hour. We should definitely put it in. Yeah, we should definitely use it. That costs a ton of money. You know what I mean? So we transition to CD Intervet, and they're getting the camp ready. CD is sweeping the steps at the barracks uh, of the camp that has, like, the logo Ranger Teen Camp painted on the door. And Trevet is um, using a broom to hit some rugs and get all the dirt and dust out of them. And he's pretending like he's playing baseball (laughs) and hitting the rug and all this dust is coming up. And CD is kind of like, dude, 
I've got the door open to the barracks here. You're just getting all this dust back in where I'm sweeping. Come on, man. And Trevette, he's like, oh, man, I'm just getting on CD's nerves. I love it. I'm going to keep hitting this rug. And, and he does. And then finally, CD's like, if you hit that rug one more time, I'm going to take this here broomstick. And then Trevette's like, all right, CD, all right, CD. I'm not going to do it anymore, I promise. And then what does he do? He winds up. Gives it one more wallop. I think he hits it out of the park, right? That's the home run. Yeah, he hits a home run, yeah. yeah. CD is just like, oh, man, that's it. I'm after you. And then he kind of lunges at Trevette. And Trevette leaps backwards and accidentally trips over the fence into the horse stall and gets all muddy. Yeah. And then chickens are starting to run all over the place. It's Yeah. They're like a young couple. Yeah, yeah. They're hunting. <laughs> yeah. <it's really> like- <laughs> Walker is such a weird beast because they go for these really serious topics and really badass action, but they take away from the seriousness of the topics and the badassness of the action by letting the air out of the tires with scenes like this. I think this is a phenomenon that we can start calling top-dogging. <laughs> yeah, they're top-dogging it. Big time. So, yeah, I would like to point out that there is a point in that scene where Trevette is lying in a puddle and someone behind the camera filming this is throwing ducks yeah, they do seem to be like coming out of nowhere. They're yeah. obviously like being thrown because they kind of like coming out of the camera. <laughs> they didn't jump that high. They didn't really fly. <laughs> They're being launched directly at Trevette. Oh, wow. Yeah. And at which point I'm like, oh, man, another joke at Trevette's expense here. Here we go. Clarence Gilliard, consummate professional. They also have some hijinks while painting a shed and uh, some other scenes like that. And it's weird and out of place yeah. sort of always erotic <laughs> it is a little a, a, a little, little bit, bit. Yeah. yeah 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 which um yeah so then we transition back to the van and i can't remember if it was one of those crazy transitions but everyone's hungry Probably. and walker's like oh you're gonna have to eat cd's crazy chili but then one of the tires blows out on the van so walker says alex take all the kids over to that diner and get them something to eat for lunch i'm gonna change this tire here And so Alex takes all the kids over to the diner across the street, uh, which is probably the most foreboding diner I've ever seen, right? Yeah, I think you might see a sign for a diner, but it's like the face of it has been ripped off and the lights are all busted. (laughs) For anyone to have picked that out from the highway, it takes some real talent. It was like a giant triangle roof and diner (laughs) was, I believe, pasted on the roof in big letters. Um, But... (laughs) The moment Walker said, take the kids to the diner, I knew that they were going <laughs> to, that Charlie, who's trying to get over his thousand hours of community service, would try to go and Walker would say, hey, I said kids. And sure enough, that's what happens. And and Charlie gets roped into helping Walker fix a tire. Again, we realize that Charlie, he may be a criminal, but he's not a man's man. Not at all. But speaking of men's men, there are a whole bunch of bad guys lodging together in the, I assume, seedy motel next to the restaurant. And these are drug dealer number one and number two. From earlier in the episode. Their group is four people, maybe five, but uh, they are drug dealer number one, who looks like bargain bin Aaron Eckhart. (laughs) And then we get a mullet guy (laughs) and plaid shirt dude. And that's it. The mullet Like the other ones are just... I don't know what Your they standard are. group. Yeah, for sure. Okay. The mullet guy's mullet is pretty yeah, legit. Greased. Though. It's nice. Greasy. This is a classic Walker. 
hashtag wrong place, wrong time. <laughs> so you're like, man, how are their paths going to cross? And while they're walking over there, Joey notices in the back of one of these cars, which I don't know how he notices this because it's not in his sight line at all. He's 13. But anyways, by standing on his tippy toes and staring through the tinted back window of a Suburban, <laughs> he notices, oh, hey, it's a suitcase full of money. Exactly. It's yeah. a stereotypical suitcase full of money I've seen in every action movie growing it's up. stainless exactly. steel suitcase. Exactly. I know exactly what's in there. <laughs> it's not documents. It's money. <laughs> so you're like, oh, is he going to steal it? And no, he doesn't. He he goes in and joins the rest of the crew who all go sit at the lunch counter at this diner along with Alex. So the camera picks up on this guy, denim jacket, and he's like hanging out with a bunch of, I guess, rednecks and locals here at this diner. And he was putting off like a serious Randy Quaid vibe to me. <laughs> Did you guys get that? I could, I could kind of see that. Yeah, okay. A little curly hair. Yeah. yeah. He had like his uh, cowboy hat. He had a huge gut, too. He was round like a robin. <laughs> His denim shirt was painted on, for sure. <laughs> yeah. And he realizes these kids and Alex come to the lunch counter, and he's kind of like to the waitress behind the counter, you can't serve them. I'm kind of curious what you guys think of his reason for not wanting them to serve them. Is it because one of the kids was black? Absolutely. I thought there was either another story. Maybe he recognized Alex, and he's like, Mm-mm. she busted me. Yeah, I will say this beast of a man. <laughs> yeah, who is this guy? Uh, is played by Brad Leland, who is a seven-episode vet on Walker, Texas Ranger. <laughs> oh, wow. This is right in the middle of it. And he never plays the same character twice. Okay. So, well, there well, goes my theory. Bob's theory is debunked. <laughs> uh, no, it's very clearly because one of them's black and a couple of them might be Latino. Yeah, I think that was the case. Or step, definitely They don't it. really come out and say it. We hear his reasoning later on, too. Yeah, that's true. He's like, you know, they look. <laughs> so this guy clearly calls the shots in this restaurant. And the woman says to Alex, oh, I'm sorry, we can't serve you guys. Kitchen just closed. Yeah. Alex is like, there's a dude in the kitchen that's actually illegal to tell us that we can't be served. The waitress is kind of sympathetic eyes, but it's kind of like, this guy's crazy and he's telling me I can't serve you. So it's kind of like a weird, awkward situation. It's okay. We see Walker and Charlie in the background walking in. Walker's kind of like, is there a problem here? And the redneck guy's like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Actually, there is. (laughs) A fight ensues. There wasn't anything uh, completely over the top. Walker lets him throw. Two punches. But they don't land. Walker pretty much gives uh, this bad guy two opportunities to change course. Yeah, before finally. I know he throws one of them into the jukebox. And it has yeah, a bunch of sparks issuing, for some issuing reason. a serious, <laughs> serious beatdown. Yeah, most definitely. So that's two more warnings than bad guys typically get in restaurants and bars. Uh, but that's mostly because there were kids there. I, I think so. And Charlie was his backup. And the whole time, again, not a man's man, he's holding a chair in a defensive <laughs> position, uh, which, again, uh, Terry Kaiser really got into the character. Mm-hmm. For sure. Mm-hmm. Method actor, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And he pretty much just stood there while Walker wrecked house on like the whole gang of guys. And yeah, like you said, he throws a guy into the jukebox 
and sparks fly, and then you hear the record slow. Oh yeah, that that cannot be that cannot be understated. How awesome that is! I in our stats, I'm including it as an explosion. It's oh, that awesome. There were sparks. Okay. Right, Broken glass yeah. sparks. Yeah, for sure. Like, you know, he dispatches the first bad guy like immediately, and then the second guy comes and he doesn't do a roundhouse kick. He does like a roundhouse karate chop on the guy's neck, and the guy like <laughs> flies past him, and then he takes out this other dude, and then the second guy is actually coming back on him, and Walker does a jumping kick, <laughs> and the guy with a huge pot belly just like flies into the jukebox which shoots sparks and flames out and uh, as adam said the sound effects were just like (laughs) you know uh, it's it's awesome oh yeah really good good. so Mm -hmm. do they get food i'm assuming they eat right (laughs) that's a good point they don't show it but i guess there must be like a really awkward meal after that (laughs) yeah Yeah. clean up on aisle two i'll have the Mm. meatloaf miss and while Walker's dispatching these goons, uh, Joey takes the opportunity while there's a diversion to run outside and steal the briefcase. He smashes the back of the Suburban that the bad guys from the beginning of the episode were driving and steals the briefcase full of money. Yep. Good work. Yeah. After that, they arrive at camp and uh, the honeymooners are going at it. Yeah. Trevette and CD, they were charged with painting like an outhouse. And CD's like, oh, no, the binding needs to be this color. And Trevette's like, oh, no, you said this, though. And now you're changing it to this. I'm just going to do whatever I want. And so they're both painting like different colors in the same spots to try to get the best of the other person. And then they start like painting each other. And then they like they started cooking like a fondue pot and started taking off their clothes and then they took out some whoa, strawberries. Well, no, no, no. That's that's another movie. That's <laughs> oh, another no. show. That that might have happened had the van not arrived. Right. When it did. <laughs> the van rudely interrupted their. Uh, yeah, for sure. Frolicking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then the kids say what we're all thinking. They're like, "This was the guy that was supposed to feed us." Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> good thing. Good thing we ate at the diner. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we'd be drinking paint for dinner. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, they arrive and they're settling in. And uh, CD, he's having a little heart-to-heart with Alex. And he basically expresses the one thing that we're all thinking, which is, why the hell do you have this convicted felon hanging out with a bunch of youth at an overnight camp? Yeah. Was this a guy to uh, come do his community service here with these teens that could wind up like him? Right. Seems like an odd choice. But, you know, if uh, Walker has any through line, it's redemption. I believe Alex is just like, well, Walker wanted him to come. Clearly, Walker knows the future and he knows what's going to happen. Also, Trevette is walking along and has what I would perceive to be a fairly awkward exchange with the only black student (sighs) who walks up to him and says, hey, black. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. To which Trevette says, hey, my name's Ranger Trevette. Hey, I'm going to stop your mistake there, because at this point, Trevette becomes Walker for the rest of the episode. (laughs) Not the whole rest of the episode. Fair. Well, there's one more scene, but sure. Right. Yeah. So at this point, for all intents and purposes, Trevette is Walker for the rest of the episode. Yep. Because Walker now gets a call from Governor Bush. And this is interesting. This is (laughs) a legit name drop from the real world. 
At this point in time, the 43rd president of the United States, George W. Bush, mm-hmm. is serving as the governor of Texas. And I believe and he was also the owner of the Texas Rangers, if I'm not mistaken. True. Yeah. Oh, that might have been after. I don't know. But yeah, I think so. So a little uh, GW name drop that uh, Walker had to go. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't really say why. He's just like, got a call from the governor. Got to go. Yeah. And yeah. in fact, I totally forgot about that because I was like, about 10 minutes later, I was like, where's Walker? <laughs> you know, but it didn't really matter because, again, like, as I said, Trevet is Walker in this episode from here on out. Pretty much. When did this episode come out? Would he have been campaigning? Maybe Walker was helping him on the campaign trail. Oh. Let's see. This episode, nah, 1997. Nah. No. Probably not. No. So, yeah, Walker just leaves, leaving us wondering when he's going to return to save everybody, which always happens. Just as Walker leaves, one of the campers, in fact, it's Peanut, is stung by a bee and goes into shock. And Trevette just jams an EpiPen into her leg, and she's fine, because that's a thing. That's how you that's, do it. That's how, yeah. yeah, I think that's how it's done. It's funny that her nickname is Peanut. Maybe she's also allergic to peanuts. <laughs> possibly. Yeah. Possibly. So while they're uh, resuscitating Peanut, uh, the uh, drug dealers are now interrogating this goon from the restaurant. Yeah. Randy Quaid Jr. Yeah. And they're just bringing him in and beating the crap out of him until he finally is like, oh, you had something stolen? There was probably those kids. And this is sort of where he definitely points the finger, and this is where we we, we know why he didn't his, want him. Yeah, his yeah. his motivation is like you know what type they were. Mm-hmm. Um, not white, not white, <laughs> right? Wait, let me say that quieter. Not white. Meanwhile, back at camp, <laughs> they're doing all kinds of fun stuff. They're shooting bows and arrows. They are boating. They're coercing a child who's terrified of the water into a boat. Oh, my gosh. And when she finally gets into it with Alex and they speed away, she's like, oh, yeah. Like the overdub was so out of place. It was terrible. Also, apparently Alex is an amazing archer. She split Trevette's arrow. (laughs) Yeah. And everyone was like, oh, that's cool. It's like, no, that's impossible. Yeah. Statistically almost impossible. It's it's more than cool. All right. Yeah. 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 Oh, man. Uh, meanwhile, during this whole process, uh, little Eddie Del Toro, he's just not getting it. He's the one whose mother has the abusive boyfriend. He's having a hard time at every one of the activities, and you can kind of see it like build up each activity. He keeps screwing up. Yeah, this kid sucks. He sucks. He, he does. He really does. Uh, pretty much everything. He just can't get anything right, and you see it building up and building up. Couldn't shoot his mom's boyfriend. He can't shoot an arrow. What can he do? I know. He can't even roundhouse kick. That was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. Eddie Del Toro, he's like, I'm in a Walker, Texas Ranger episode, and I can't even roundhouse kick? That would piss me off. I know. Particularly after seeing Mila Kunis do it. With great success. Mm -hmm. Sure. So, Trevette is is finally like, hey, man, you know, you tried your hardest. In doing that, you're a winner, not a loser. And all of a sudden, Eddie's like, Oh, you're right. I'm a winner. And it turns around <laughs> like that. There's no like hesitation. It was just like, that's all Trevette had to say. The switch is flipped. <laughs> and the script is as well. We've brainwashed Eddie. He's good. <laughs> but also during that, Clifton, who is the African-American boy who had a weird interaction with Trevette earlier. Now this kid is doing roundhouse kicks 
Charlie is the one holding the gloves that the kids are doing the roundhouse kicks into, and Trevette's kind of training them. And again, this is kind of strange because Walker would normally be teaching kids how to do karate, but Trevette's trying to teach them all this karate stuff. And Clifton does a kick. Trevette goes, hey, do that again. And Clifton's kind of like, oh, man, he's giving me trouble because I, I said that thing earlier about him not being comfortable being black. Clifton does that roundhouse kick again. And to us, we're like, okay, it looks like another roundhouse kick. And Jared goes, that was really good. And then we get a shot at Clifton like, oh, this guy's not so bad after all. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's like, do you think that was a good roundhouse kick? And everyone's like, uh. And Trevette's like, that was a great roundhouse kick. <laughs> Way to go. And I might add here at this point, Mila Kunis there's like a, a clip on uh, YouTube of her on Conan O'Brien talking about being on this episode and how Chuck Norris taught her how to punch. And I'm thinking that he probably was off camera teaching these kids how to punch so they could get all the B-roll footage of them kicking into the glove of Terry Kaiser. Well, that's a deep cut, probably. So in typical Top Dog fashion, we go from heartwarming training montage to bound and gagged people on a pool table in the diner (laughs) Uh, (laughs) while the drug dealers have the presumable diner owners bound and gagged on a pool table uh, and they're rifling through receipts trying to figure out who was there. Yeah, so that they can find the kids who the racist redneck told them stole their money. Exactly. You know, this is a solid plan. (laughs) Um, So they're all like, oh, this is it. This is the one, which... I don't know how they exactly know that, but they get Alex's name and then they're like, well, what do we do with these two people? And he's like, kill them. I'm like, whoa, that's so not Walker. <laughs> that What's was pretty happening? extreme for this for this episode. <laughs> and they actually pull out their guns and you're like, are they going to show it? They're going to show it. Fade to commercial. Yeah. Thank God. Awful. So meanwhile, back at camp, uh, Joey, who's been sitting out on all the activities, because remember, he's way too cool. And he's the one that stole the money. Yeah. He's the one with the home improvement hair as well. Yeah. Yeah. I right. mean, he's he's got it all, including a million dollars in a briefcase, apparently. Also a and, sick pair of van shoes, by the way. Yeah. Okay. Total yeah. vans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hey, Clifton, man, come check this out. And so they go and they sneak into like this abandoned house. It's a boathouse. Yeah. Where Joey has stashed away this briefcase. And he's like, yeah, man, that's a lot of green. is it the chuck norris black and blue bro (laughs) he's like oh man that's like that's a lot of green can you keep this on the dl and he's like i'm gonna keep this so low down it's gonna be underground it's like so (laughs) down he's dead yeah but what did make sense to me that why would he bring clifton in on this so that he would have to share the money with the kid he's got to share it with someone man he's like 13 he's (laughs) He doesn't uh, have common sense. Yeah, I guess. Okay. <laughs> Maybe he doesn't have very many friends either. You know, think about well, that. Also that. The things we learn at Ranger Teen Camp. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's worth noting that everybody at Ranger Teen Camp, including Trevette, CD, everybody, they have the cheapest white sweatshirt you can buy. 
in like an iron-on <laughs> logo of Ranger Teen Camp. And that's what I was alluding to earlier. We're we're definitely going to have a Ranger Teen Camp replica available on our website for purchase if you want to check that out. And if you want to start your own Ranger Teen Camp, we want to make that possible for you. We claim zero liability. Yeah, I was going to say, this sounds... <laughs> if this episode proves anything, it's that accidents can and will happen. Yeah, and one other thing I want to throw out there too is uh, Mila Kunis is on Conan, and, and she says she is, she was about ten years old when she filmed this, and she looks it. And yeah. so, how is this supposed to be a teen camp when you have ten year olds? You have to keep in mind that the typical demographic for the show uh, sees someone under the age of thirty as a teenager. It goes toddler, teenager, alcoholic. Right. <laughs> That's toddler, between toddler, teenager. teenager, young adult for the rest of their lives. <laughs> <laughs> Young adult CD. <laughs> <laughs> so while they're talking about all this loot, Charlie actually overhears them and he reports this to the team. They actually did give him a second to be like, should I keep this money? And then he mm. like talks to God. Yes, he beseeches the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, why do you tempt me? He did what was right, and he reported it to Trevette and Alex. So they're all like, oh, well, we got to talk to them about it. Charlie's like, you don't know, kids. <laughs> you have to make them confess to you. And they're like, okay, well, how are we going to do this? And Trevette's like, I got this. I'll just tell a story. This was something you see coming a mile away, that they're about to have a campfire, and you're like, okay, he's going to tell like a uh, campfire story that is almost exactly the same situation that these kids are yeah. in. <laughs> Yeah. There was a boy who was hiking in the mountains and found a cave. And in the cave, there was gold. And there was so much gold that the kid never told anybody about it. He just kept going back there, getting more gold. Didn't tell anybody. Cave collapsed. Kid eventually died. <laughs> People found him a couple years later. He was dead because of greed. Since he never told anybody where the gold was because he was keeping it all for himself. No one could find him to save him, and he died on his pile of gold. If you gotta go, I mean, it's not the worst. I mean, that's a balling way to go, honestly. Yeah, I'd say. But they pan over to Clifton and Joey, and Clifton's like, man, we gotta tell Ranger Trevette, man. He's cool. I, I trust him now. You can tell him. It'll be cool. And Joey's like, I don't know, man. And then the story ends, and he's like, Ranger Trevette, we've gotta talk. Totally. It worked. Meanwhile... Back in the cabin, C.D. and Charlie are having a nice bonding moment uh, while making hot cocoa. C.D. is kind of like, Charlie, you know, I was a little hesitant to uh, have you on this trip here, but you really impressed me by turning that money over to us, and maybe a tiger can't change his stripes. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a knock on the door, and C.D.'s like, oh, that must be them, because, you know, they definitely knock before entering the cabin. Yeah, in as a watcher, you're just like, oh, man, we haven't heard from the bad guys in a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. CD opens the cabin door and is immediately faced with the barrel of drug dealer number one's pistol. And he is uh, bound and beat up. <laughs> CD doesn't really have good episodes. He's just he's either in it and gets the snot beat out of him or he's not in it at all. That's yeah, it he seems like seem for like us the ghost. Yeah. yeah, the only feature episode I remember <laughs> is when they make him go undercover at the nursing home. 
He gets beat up there, too, though. (laughs) Yeah. As far as the episodes we've watched, it's been a pretty rough stretch for CD lately, so I hope he can take it easy. Yeah, so they beat him up and they tie him to a chair, essentially, right? Yeah, and Charlie tries to come out with his marshmallows and someone smacks him on the back of the head with a gun and he falls down in a pile of marshmallows. (laughs) And so they're interrogating CD as... Alex, Trevette, and the kids are coming back to the cabin, and Trevette's like, oh, those are voices in there. Oh, something's wrong. And Joey's like, oh, that car parked out in front of the cabin is the one that I broke into and stole the the briefcase from. Yeah, he's like, you can even see the busted glass. Right, right. (laughs) So Trevette's like, okay, Alex, you take all the kids to the other side of the pond. I'm going to go kick some ass. And he turns around and goes to kick some ass. Alex isn't paying any attention to all the kids. She's just running with a handful of them, but three of them peel off. Clifton, Joey, the two bad boys who were redeemed, and... Little Eddie. Who has got his confidence back. They peel off, and we're like, oh, no, this can't be good. <laughs> Those kids, no. but... No. I thought Walker was going to be back with this next scene. Didn't yeah, you? Yeah, for sure. For yeah. sure. <laughs> this is almost always when Walker comes back. This was... Unbelievable. This might be the best part of this episode right here. Definitely. (laughs) So remember, there are four goons. There's drug dealer number one and drug dealer number two. Both of those guys are in the house. Now, outside, there's mullet guy and plaid shirt guy. (laughs) And so first, Trevette creeps up behind plaid shirt guy and gives him the sleeper hold. Mm. That guy's out. And it was a pretty quick sleeper hold, but... Yeah, it's a ranger sleeper hold. It's like a two-second sleeper hold. Yeah, it was effective. Then second dude, mullet guy, right? Now you're like, man, mullet guy, he's got his act put together. He's got like a perfectly coiffed mane of hair. <laughs> like this guy's, you know, he's got it going on. Yeah. How is Trevette ever going to trick this guy? Mm. He tricks him by putting a Hamilton down on the ground, baby. <laughs> he's got a little crisp $10 bill down there on the ground. And uh, mullet guy, he looks down, can't believe his eyes. And he bends down to pick it up. And gets ninja kicked in the face. (laughs) (laughs) I was expecting that boot to be Walker. But no, it was Trevette. He laid it down and just nailed the guy with the old dollar trick. Mm. Next, Trevette ventures back to the house. I guess there's a noise in the house. And uh, drug dealer number two goes to check it out. The lights aren't working in the room. And Trevette jumps out of a closet and clocks the guy. Mm -hmm. And then drug dealer number one comes in. And at this point, I'm like, okay... Walker has to come in at this point because that guy, like, they've been playing him up as, like, this super evil, horrible dude. He's got, like, knives and stuff. He's been killing people all episode. He tracked them down into the woods. Like, this guy's going to be a super difficult fight or something. But Trevette just, like, dispatches the guy in five seconds. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. He's just gone. There have been a few episodes where they were supposed to be Trevette-centric episodes. This, to me, is the best one so far, showing his ability. Yeah. And they only made fun of him a little bit. Yeah, I mean, he definitely had ducks thrown at him while he was lying in a pigsty, but... Exactly. At this point, we've almost forgotten that, so... Exactly. He's totally redeemed himself. (laughs) So, well, not quite, because drug dealer number two pops back up and he's like hey man i wasn't out cold i got a gun now and he's like got trevette at at gunpoint at which point clifton and joey bust in and clifton is a bow and arrow drawn and i mean he just learned how to shoot 
So he's going to be a good shot with that thing. Mm-hmm. And the bad guy's like, go ahead, shoot me. You shoot me, I'll still shoot him. So they're kind of like, well, this was kind of a stupid plan. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy taunts him again. Come on, shoot me. All of a sudden, boom. <laughs> bad guy gets hit on the back of the head with a frying pan. Was that cast iron? Oh, for Ooh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's got yeah, some that, weight behind it. Definitely oh, yeah. had some weight behind it and some uh, newfound confidence with the thrust. Eddie Del Toro in for the win. Way to go, Eddie. Everyone was like, not expecting much from him, and he saved Trevette and clocked the guy out. Yeah, man. Good stuff. So we kind of flashed to a scene where all the kids are in a room, and Charlie looks like a mental patient. He has his like head wrapped because the bad guys kicked the crap out of him. He's like hanging out with these 10-year-olds. So you've got like Bernie from Weekend at Bernie's <laughs> with like toilet paper on his head hanging out with these 10-year-old kids. And all the kids are like, oh, my God, Eddie, you are so cool. You were so strong and you took that guy out. Mila Kunis goes over and kisses him on the cheek. Charlie, not weird at all, goes, <laughs> you're a hero now. You got a kiss. Creep. <laughs> Such a creep. We established in Iceman that he's terrible around kids. Mm, yeah. At least he didn't <laughs> smash any kids' toys in this one. No, he didn't. No. <laughs> sort of like, oh, man, things are really turning around for Eddie. I hope he can bring that newfound confidence back home <laughs> uh, immediately. And yeah. uh, it cut to the uh, outside of the apartment and then cut to the inside of the apartment where Eddie's mother is getting beat up, which we assume has been happening for the entire six and a half days they've been at camp. (laughs) It's awful. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, she's been just being hit by her boyfriend the whole time. And then he just happens to be beating her up when he comes home from the camping trip, too. Right. So Eddie comes in. He's like, hey, stop it, and jumps on the guy. But the crazy abusive boyfriend throws him to the ground. He's like, what are you going to do about it? Did the kid actually say anything, or did Walker just walk in? (laughs) I don't know. Did he say, like, get him? <laughs> get her, Ray. I think he says something like, I brought my friends or something like that, right? <laughs> and then Walker and Trevette come to the door. So it was like as if they were waiting at the door while the guy was kicking the crap out of his – it was a little Girlfriend and then hit the kid. They needed the evidence, I guess. I don't know. We need to see him hit your mom in order for this to stick. So Yeah, let's let's camp outside your apartment oh until my gosh. <laughs> something happens. But the payoff was seeing Walker fight this guy. This was super <laughs> bizarre. So in classic yeah. in classic Walker fashion, things escalated immediately. <laughs> so he's like, Oh, my friends will do it. And these two Texas Rangers walk in, at which point the guy's fight or flight instinct kicks in. <laughs> yeah, he's does. like all right, I'm dying on this cross. So he just like grabs a knife and then assaults two Texas Rangers with a knife. It doesn't go well for him, but um, that's his response is, well, I guess I better murder these two people. And uh, we see Walker do uh, some tasty roundhouse kicks in this. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty solid one. He took the guy down. Cut to Charlie back at Ranger headquarters with Trevette and Walker. And they're tallying up his community service hours. And Walker's like, well, that was about 6.5 hours. And Charlie's like, 0.5? Give me a break, Walker. And he's like, okay, I guess we'll give you seven. But you still got a lot left. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, well, we're going to be doing some whitewater rafting. And I was like, oh, man, is this whitewater? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
It's like, I'm not going on a whitewater rafting walker. This community service is like a vacation. To go hang out in the woods, go whitewater rafting. Yeah. Go to a baseball game. That should be fun. Right. Plus a thousand hours of community service would be like a whole year's worth of (laughs) like nine to five, 40 hour a week work. Like, yeah, with paid meals, with the stipend. Yeah, I guess. And with the last of that, that about sums up this episode, mercifully. We'd like to give a shout out to our friend and collaborator, Adam Lauritsen, who's been drawing the amazing walkerstrations for our social media. Be sure to check out his other art on Instagram at at imagination run amok. When we come back, it'll be time for us to each rate last hope on a scale of 0 to 10 boots to the face, resulting in our patented Roundhouse Roulette episode ranking, the complete results of which are available on our website, roundhouseroulette.com. Don't you dare go away. Well, fancy me and you here, little partner. I see you eyeing my Ram pickup. You certainly have an eye for the finery. We here at Roundhouse Roulette are powered by a love of pure, unadulterated Walker, Texas Ranger, of a kind found only in a white buffalo's tears. Paired with a camaraderie of listeners like you, it's been a blast following Walker's adventures thus far. As you likely surmised, Dodge is not yet one of our sponsors, so if you'd like to lend us a hand in growing the podcast to new ridiculous heights, please share us with a friend or leave us a kind review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to further help us take it to the streets, we recently added some fresh new merchandise at roundhouseroulette.com. Or for as little as a few bucks a month, you can help us bring the podcast to you every week on our Patreon page. Membership levels range from Criminal Mastermind to Texas Ranger and promise further Walker content, perks, and antics. All these things help us to cover editing, artwork, blogs, and web hosting and further our goal of delivering the light of Walker to the world. Most importantly, though, thank you for listening and making this crazy journey of ours worthwhile. But enough of my yakking. I've got a hankering for some of that savory bar and grill chili. Let's get back to the show. Welcome back. What did you guys think of this one? The very tone of this episode really was hard for me to give this a good feel. If they didn't have that drug deal storyline in there, this episode would rank way lower for me. I'm going to give this one a five, mainly because they give Trevette a lot of latitude to kick butt. (laughs) That dollar technique alone was worth the watch. I had varying thoughts as far as this one goes. Right off the bat, not an excellent episode. No, no. I initially had a five, then a six, because I remembered the exploding jukebox. (sighs) But then back to a five, then to a four, then a five. It features Walker, but not very prominently. And that's my biggest problem. Yeah. I love seeing Trivette kick some butt, but I love seeing Trivette kick butt at Walker's side, and that did not happen. But uh, I will say that the uh, action scenes in this episode were pretty dope. And the other stuff, not so much. And although I like Terry Kaiser, I almost even like his character. I don't think that character adds anything to any episode that he's in. That we've seen so far, anyway. At least, yeah. (laughs) It's well acted. He does a good job with it. I just don't think it works. So, yeah, I'm at a five on this one. Do you think they thought that people would recognize him from Weekend at Bernie's or something? Or anything? <laughs> I don't know. They threw him in the opening credits as guest star Terry Kaiser, and I was like, oh, yeah, so. Yeah, I don't know. This one, um, I feel better about it now after talking about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, after I watched it initially, I was like, this is probably like a three. But you guys did point out that there were some decent fights. There was a good car explosion early on. 
Yeah. And the whole lead up to that was totally over the top. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, no Walker. Not enough Walker anyway. So I'm going to go four. All right. Well, that gives this episode a roundhouse rating of 4.666 boots to the face, baby. <laughs> well, I think we can all agree that this episode was certainly better than most episodes of That 70s Show. But let us know what you think on social media or by emailing us at roundhouseroulette at gmail.com. When we come back, we'll spin that roundhouse roulette and select next week's episode. And we're back. Bob, you ready to spin that wheel? You know it. Let's hope this one has Terry Kaiser in it, too. We can only hope. (laughs) (laughs) Season 8. All right, my prediction on season eight, episode 18, Black Dragons, is that it includes the Yakuza in some way. That's my, that's my prediction. The Rangers connect the son of a Chinese diplomat to a drug smuggling ring that distributes <laughs> deadly yes. black dot heroin. Oh, no, a super drug. <laughs> black dot heroin, not black tar. They, they just take regular things and just change one part of it. Do you think you get a black dot on your palm and then you die from the plague? Well, it's not Yakuza or Yakuza because they're Chinese. I know. Right? I'm pretty disappointed by that. Unless the actual bad guys are like Japanese. We don't know. Oh, they probably are. Yeah. We'll find out. Well, we hope you'll join us next week when we share our reactions to Season 8, Episode 18, Black Dragons. <laughs> Share your opinions with us on Facebook and Instagram at Roundhouse Roulette and on Twitter at at Roundhouse Pod. And rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your fine podcasts. And until next time, may the eyes of the Ranger Ranger be upon you. When you're in Texas, look behind you. Oh, because that's where the Ranger's going to be.